today my guest is Rohit Teagi. Teagi? Yep. Did I get it right? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. I was working on that one. And he is the managing partner over at Sagex team. Now, Rohit is joining us from Philadelphia today. And so he was teasing me a little bit about how cold it probably is in Edmonton, which we're actually in a beautiful sunny March day. It feels mm-hmm. like spring. So he can't tease me too much about that. But I am so excited to have you on the show to talk to us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. So welcome to the show, Rohit. Thank you. Uh, it's, I'm so excited to be here with you, Lance. Uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Okay. So right off the hop, what are three things that you think every entrepreneur needs to know based off of your journey with your business? Um, so, you know, I started my company really uh, 2017, 2018. And really when we started to grow it like a business was just about 2020 during the COVID times. And, you know, COVID taught me a lot. When COVID happened, obviously, just like any other business owner, there was we were very nervous, right? So the first thing is that I would tell any entrepreneur is that we, we went through COVID and our company actually grew during that time. Uh, so, but I've c- looked back on events in our company, we on, on uh, events where it seemed like, oh my God, the world is, you know, going to just fall apart. So the first thing that I always tell every entrepreneur, every friend of mine who's asking me about starting a company is like, Trust me, trust yourself. You will figure it out, you know? Okay. And that is very big because we are usually just fearful of things. We're imagining things and it's like that fof fear of failure. But oftentimes we, you'll realize failure is not that bad. You're not going to, it's not going to crush you. It's just going to be a setback. And if you trust yourself, you can keep going, you know? I like it. I like it. I don't know if I've had anybody actually say that in 228 episodes or whatever we're at right now. So trusting yourself is is great. And you're right. Like we do figure it out. I mean, this is what makes us so resilient as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And, you know, if you just take that chance, you will realize that you don't even need some training or something. You've, your life has been training. You've yeah. been trained. You've had situations where you've had to be resilient. You've had health situations. You've had family situations where you had to come out of, you know, so you have the resources. It's just that sometimes we are fearful. So I would say definitely believe in your ability to come through. Love it. Second thing I would say is that don't be cheap when it comes to hiring, you know, Mm. hire the best. And that's one of the things that Lance, um, I was just making a, 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 a LinkedIn post today that I had to make a mental shift from when I was a solopreneur, just looking to hire. I was, my mindset was, Oh, I have to hire someone. Like, it's almost like a bad thing. Like, Oh my God, yeah. I have to give up this money now because I don't want to, I can't, I don't yeah. have enough hours in the week left. Right now it's like, no, I want to hire the best because I have realized that when you hire really great people, how much they add to your company, how much they add to your vision, to your mission. And they bring things to the table that you actually never even thought of. So hiring great people is definitely something that I recommend. And the third thing, what I would say, right, is kind of playing on the first tip that I gave is that when, whenever you, whenever you feel that something has just broken, right? Okay. I lost an account or 
somebody's trying to sue you or um, you know your best employee left, just remember, if you can just remember this, it is happening for the best. Mm. And if you can just have a positive attitude towards it and look for the silver lining, because there's an old saying that in every adversity lies the seed of a greater benefit. But what they didn't say is that for the mind that is positive. If your mind yes. is not positive in that case, you're going to dwell on what happened. If your mind is positive, you will start looking for the positive in that situation. And there's okay, so wait, always a wait a minute. Yeah, so wait a minute. This is easy to say. It's a different thing to put it into practice. So I'm curious, have you always kind of had this outlook or is this something that you've had to learn along the way? I had to learn it and I had to learn. Yeah. I had mentors and I had, uh, luckily I had some, uh, you know, low stake failures or where the stakes weren't that high. And like I lost my job and we were expecting our second kid. That was one of my highest stake one, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and what happened was, you know, I was off work for about 45 days. Um, our savings was just dwindling because we already had a kid and, you know, my wife didn't work at that time. She was on a dependent visa. Um, so those 45 days, I just kept a very positive mindset because of some good people in my life that I could, you know, talk to and, and they could, you know, give me good advice and keep me positive. But what happened, Lance, is after that, the job that I got, was one of the lowest paying jobs that I had to take just because I needed to make money. Yep. For about eight months, I didn't make up. I mean, I was spending more than what we were making, but that job connected me with someone who connected to, to my best job, which was when I can now look back and connect the dots, that next job was pivotal in me wanting to start my own business. And in fact, giving me the skill set to start my own business. So when I look back, yeah. that, that, setback was absolutely necessary for me to get on this path. Yeah. 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 Which is so interesting, right? When you analyze it and this is one of the things. So my son right now, he's uh, 17, almost 18 years old, wrapping up his, his grade 12. And so we have had lots of conversations about the future, right? And what is he going to do with what's he going to take in school? What does he want to do with, you know, from a work standpoint, yeah. a career standpoint, where does his passions lie and so on. And so he has a very, very, you know, mapped out, he's got it figured out, or at least he thinks he does. Right. And I remember being that kid as well, where it's like, this is what I'm going to do. I got it all figured out. And then life just kind of takes you on this meandering path. Uh, and it's really interesting how people adapt to that and are willing to let things happen. And as opposed to trying to force it to happen and then finding the opportunities along that pathway. Right. hundred percent. You know, yeah. If, if it's it's hard when you try to explain that. At, sometimes people take you the wrong way when you say that. Just let things happen. They think that you're being passive and you're letting things happen. No, you're looking for the right opportunity, right play in every opportunity. Okay, yeah. this happened. What's my play? What's my next play? You know. Yeah. So, I've I've had to learn it the wrong. I mean, it's still you know you can still get scared. Don't get me wrong, but that training really helps you because you can now step back and say, okay. What should I do next? How will this help? We had another situation where I thought this company is going to sue me because there were some contractual things. And uh, I was literally for two days, I couldn't sleep because this was the beginning days of my business. And uh, I finally said, let me call the owner. I called the owner. We had a chat 
it was the best conversation we had. And, and she, she ended up saying that, heck with that, man, we value your partnership way more. Don't worry about all that. Let's draw out a whole new thing. Let's, let's partner up. Let's go at it from a different angle. And again, it was just something that, you know, I was, I, but I decided that I'm going to call her rather than just let it sit. I'm yeah. like, let's talk. You know, I'm, I own my company. She owns her company. She's much bigger, but let's talk and figure it out. Okay. Well, now speaking of your company, then what is it that you guys do? What problems are you solving out there in today's world? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been a consultant all my life, Lance, uh, whether you call it contractor or consultant. And I've had one full-time job in my entire life. And that was the most dreadful year of my life. <laughs> so, you know, I just enjoyed being a consultant. Um, and when I became, when I was starting to have this idea of starting my own company, the, the, the real thing that I wanted to solve was a true partnership. When you're a consultant or when you're running a consulting company, you have to adopt the mindset of true partnership with your customers. Mm. And being on the receiving end, because I, as, as a, as when I'm working at a client, other consulting companies are basically providing their services to us. And I found a lot of lack, a lot of, I, I was left wanting a lot more. I was like, this is not the kind of service that, you know, we should be getting for the amount of money we're paying. So really the, if you, if you were to ask me, what are you solving? I'm, we, we started SAGX team to solve IT consulting. We want to present IT consulting in a different way where we take a true partnership approach and we put our customers really, really first. And I know it's a cliche. Everybody says it, but I mean, one thing that you will notice, uh, one thing that I've tried to permeate in every department of our company, whether it's accounting or HR or recruiting, that has, that mindset has to be there. Now the services that we offer, right, is we happen to offer services to pharmaceuticals, biotech companies. They need services in lab informatics, which is, you know, a very niche field. Uh, these are, you know, data analytics systems, lab informatics systems, in, you know, that are used to collect a lot of data from different instruments. And then you can do a lot of analysis on that data and come up with intelligent, uh, you know, decisions, intelligent uh, reports. And the second thing that we solve is quality and compliance. So as you know, every life sciences company has to follow strict guidelines in order to manufacture drugs. So yes. we offer a series of services that caters to that field. So those are okay. two pillars of services but are the, the solution that the, the problem that we're trying to fix is the consultant client relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, so it doesn't really matter what the services are that you're providing. It just happens to be the IT solutions with what really what you're providing is uh, that's unique in the marketplace is just the ability to, to bridge that gap and really service the client. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you hire, see, yeah. let's say you are the hiring manager, you you wanted to hire obviously the reason you're hiring someone is when you need help to complete your vision to help you achieve your goals as a director of it or as a director of quality now yep. ideally speaking you should be able to hire full-time people but the reason you sometimes you're not able to because your hr doesn't have the headcount available or there's many reasons why you're not able to hire somebody full-time that's when you look to hire consultants you know because there's no there's no it's not a hire, it's just a contract. So my understanding or my belief is that consulting relationship should be really favored, geared towards helping you, Lance, achieve your yeah. goals. That yeah. should be the focus of our entire company at that yeah. point. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's the way that every service business should really be focused, right? Because without helping the, your client become more successful, there's you like, what is the purpose or what is it that you're providing uh, at the end of the day? And then why would they continue working with you if you're not actually able to deliver something that'll help them along that journey? So yeah, I'm glad we're very much aligned in that way. Now, one of the things that you shared with me before we hit the record button is that you've been on the service side of things for a, a while now with the business, but you're talking about pivoting and you're in the development of actually a product that you're going to be selling. Uh, do you want to share with us the reason why you're going that direction as opposed to just, you know, continuing all along on the service side of the, the business? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, the goal was always professional services, something that I've done for 20 years. So, you know, another word of advice for people who want to start a business. First thing, first revenue stream, focus on hone in, go 100%, double down on what you're good at. You know, don't yes. try to do something that you'll have to, you don't, you don't have no idea about, you know, it's much simpler yeah. when you're already good at something. So being a consultant for 20 years, that was natural for me to start a business, you know, uh, leaning on that. But my idea was always to have a product because it's more scalable Lance, and you can impact more people through a product. I feel because you, now your reach can go, uh, multiple folds. So my real goal, if you look at my mission is, services to B2B services, then a B2B product, and then eventually a B2C product so that now I'm hitting the whole world, you know, yeah. anybody who can use a product. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about the challenge then of going from very much service based focus to now into product development, because that's a whole nother skill set, a whole nother challenge that you are taking on while you're still growing the business, I presume, over on the services side. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, though it is it is completely new, something I know nothing about, right? But now running a business, I have enough confidence that I know who to approach, how to bridge that gap in knowledge on starting this business successfully. So over the last five years, I've run into a lot of entrepreneurs who've started their companies, a product company, right? I've developed a good network. So now I'm leaning on some of their experiences, what they have done, how did they maneuver? And yes, it is a big challenge. It, the number one challenge is money. You know, uh, you can blow through hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, in a yeah. product development uh, business. Um, but that's the thrill as well, you know, so big risk, bigger reward. And at the same time, um, uh, when you have something that you feel can be used somewhere, uh, it's almost like an urge, like you, I got to get it out, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I wouldn't say that we have full validation, but we have a customer who's already, you know, using it, but that gives us a little bit more confidence. So hundred percent, the challenge is bigger. Um, but you know, last five years of running a business gives you enough confidence to start taking up another challenge. Yeah. Well, and, and I love it from the business strategy side of, of the equation because I'm in a services business too. Ample Media, we offer all these different marketing related services. And so the challenge with that is that you're, you know, you're always out there chasing new business. And, and like you said, uh, there's a limitation on your time. And so we can add more and more team members um, to our team in order to take on more clients. 
um, and, and do that. But there isn't that exponential kind of growth that you can achieve without adding more resources. Where a product-based, in your case, it's it's a SaaS service. And so you are always going to have ongoing product development costs probably, but you uh, are developing essentially, you know, once and then you sell it to many, many people over and over and over. And the additional cost of a new customer is not the same as what it is in a services business. 100%. And so that's totally appealing. Is, is that one of the reasons why you're going down this road is because you're trying to create that uh, multiplier effect of I put a, you know, one unit of effort in and I can basically sell as many units then from that? Yeah, you know, scalability, every business yeah. owner's, uh, I guess, dream word or the thing that they're trying to achieve is scaling, right? Yeah. Um, so there's scale and there's scaling. Scale is how to expand what you're existing, currently doing. How do you do it the most efficient way? How do you make it most profitable? But then scaling is how do you multiply that? And like you yeah. rightfully said, a services-based business is you can multiply that through people, right? You, you have to add more resources, which is people. In a product-based business, your product is what you're scaling. Yes, you have to add people to support it, but not at the same level. You know, now yeah. for, you know, the same level of scale, scaling, you probably need to add one person, whereas earlier it's literally one-to-one, -one, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and then, then the recursive income also with the product-based business is, Definitely there. Now, don't get me wrong. Majority of the product businesses that I've talked to actually have not started making money for five, even after they've been funded. So I understand that it comes with a big cost. Uh, but, you know, on the other side is they're also looking for an exit and they mm -hmm. can have large multiples on their, you know, on their EBITDA with yeah. when they have a product and a subscription model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. The the multiple is so much higher for a SaaS based business, product based business that has some sort of recurring revenue model, subscription model to it, because that is a revenue stream that's ongoing. And so yeah. it's really attractive for for that acquisition. Um, and so the exit plans are nice. When it comes to your challenges personally, I'm curious. So, uh, you know, there's other people who are listening to this that are probably in the similar boat to me that have service-based businesses who are trying to think, well, you know, can I even do that? Is that something that I would want to take on? What are the biggest challenges that you've had to pivot uh, your thinking and be building this while you're still managing your service-based business? Um, so you mean, uh, what are the biggest challenges pivoting from services to product-based business? For for you as the entrepreneur in particular, right? Because I mean, I, at the end of my business day, I'm just exhausted trying to just figure out the services-based business that I got going right. on right now uh, to think that like, it's almost like it's a, it's another business almost in a way, right? Because yeah. it's different people, a different skill set. Uh, the go-to-market strategies are different. You know, you're the only similarities that you have a customer base uh, and you know, the industry is within industry industry uh but there's there's so many other things so what are your biggest challenges and, and how do you overcome those challenges as you're building this on the side of your desk as well um i would say the biggest challenge so i've been fortunate lance so fortunate in the sense that you know we got the idea because literally a customer asked us to build something for them right okay so then we're like aha if they want it other companies might need this right so we asked them that, why did you want it? 
right? What, why were you asking for these features? Why didn't you use something that's already available? So we got a lot of data, which we are like, yeah, that all makes sense. So we reached out to a few others and they said, yeah, they would, they would do too. If, if something like this was available at the price point that you're talking about, we would definitely, uh, you know, think about it. So in a sense that, you know, I've not really jumped into it so head first into it that, you know, start building it like crazy. 90% of my time is still focused on increasing revenue in my services-based business. And we have some very aggressive goals in that business. And that takes away almost 60 hours of my week right there. Yeah. So whatever yeah. I have left over here, it's very preliminary stages. But I would say that, you know, I'm not very... Um, I, I can realize that, okay, I can make a mistake, lose a couple of hundred thousand because of that. Um, that like, I have certain numbers in my mind that, okay, I'm ready to go this far. Right. And I have a partner and I have somebody who, who basically whose brainchild this was. And, um, so from that sense, I think I still don't see it as a challenge because maybe I'm not that far into it yet. Uh, we're still in a very preliminary stages of, we have a product, it's working, it's sold. Um, we haven't really started tackling the SaaS part of it, but I guess talking to you, I feel like uh, there's uh, some difficult times coming ahead. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm not speaking from experience personally or anything. I, I just can think like, you know, as I'm trying to juggle everything, but I mean, having a partner makes a big difference as well, because you're, mm. you're able to have one of you focusing a little bit more on the core business and the other one focusing on some of the new, the new business and that. And I think one of the big lessons here for the audience is just that you, you guys are not starting it from like just an idea concept that you're thinking that there's market interest for you actually had the market come to you and say, Hey, this is something that um, I would like. And then you tested that concept against some other people. It's within the same industry. Uh, you have a, a knowledge of the people who are going to be potentially buying this, right? So you already have relationships out there. And so I think you have some big advantages Yes, that I, other businesses who are thinking of just starting up a SaaS business, maybe, you know, yeah. don't have, I guess. hundred yeah. percent. I, like I said, I think we are, we, we are, I know we are fortunate because it's a connected business. You know, it's not disconnected. Yeah. It's yeah. existing customers. We can pitch the same things. We can find out, we can get a lot of market research data from them. Um, we can test, like you said, test it out the concept and get relevant feedback to see whether we want to, how far do we want to go? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. Um, now, in terms of your journey and, you know, your experiences being an entrepreneur, um, I guess, where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, what inspires you to get up each day and, and uh, you know, go out there and, and work on those days in particular that are just, you know, challenging days for an entrepreneur? Uh, what inspires you or who inspires you? Um. I would say my number one inspiration is just um, my upbringing. You know, um, mm. my dad was a small business owner, like not a business owner. I would say he just, he was self-employed. I would say, I would put it this way. Like he had one of those businesses where he didn't want his kids to own it, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He created a job for himself. Essentially, he created right? a job for himself. Yeah. You know, yeah. just something to make money with, you know, get his kids educated. Um, 
there was growing up in India, there was a big pressure on uh, education and, you know, becoming an engineer or becoming a doctor, you know, was such a, such a huge pressure. And I was not really built for either one of those, but I had to oblige and kind of just comply and do whatever they were asking me. Uh, I just realized, I, I used to notice that some of my friends who were very wealthy, their dads were business owners, you know, they own big businesses. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to own a company, you know, that there was not even a question in my mind that I'm not going to own one. It's yeah. just that when I came to America, you know, for like 15 years, 16 years, you have to be on a visa. So your options are pretty limited. And um, so you couldn't start one, even if you wanted it. Right. So when mm -hmm. I got my chance, I got my green card and became a citizen. Uh, right after I got my green card, I think I became an independent contractor. So I was like, at least let me start a company and start billing and, you know, uh, take some tax benefits. And so today, Lance, you know what the honest answer is, man? It's just growth. Like success is my number one inspiration. I don't have a number, money number to it. I just like to achieve, accomplish. And I want my kids to have a great example for them of somebody who works hard and um, you know, stays consistent, you know, obviously there are days like yesterday was a day, man. I had zero motivation. I don't want to do <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, but it was, you just had to, you have stuff on your calendar and you gotta, you gotta deal with it, you know? And, yeah. Gotta uh, show but, up. Yeah. So I think, so part of the motivation is like setting a good example for my kids, making sure that I provide really well for my family. Um, Inspiration, I think, is just success. I love accomplishment. I love to just go for things, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I know before we hit the record button, you said uh, to me that you've always wanted to be a business owner. And so uh, now we understand where the inspiration com came from is, is looking at, you know, your friend's successful fathers and, and finding a, a correlation there. Uh, into the business world and when wanting that for yourself and for your family. But entrepreneurship can be challenging. Like you said yesterday, maybe not a very motivated day. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other things that happen, you know, that there's, there's a lot of challenges that come with being an entrepreneur. What I guess uh, in your experience would be the most difficult aspects of being an entrepreneur? I think one thing that I've noticed is that you can't be off. Um, like, mm, yeah, you know, I take Great. vacations. When we go on a vacation, I'm never yeah. off. Yeah, it's impossible for me to turn off my my yeah. my switch. You know, and um, a friend of mine, he started his company. He hasn't really. They haven't really started doing business. He just registered, and he was asking me. He's like, you know, I love going mountain climbing, kayaking. He's a very adventurous guy. And would I still be able to do that when I start my business? And I said, well, how many times do you go a year? Depends on that. He's like, well, I try to go once a month. I'm like, forget it. <laughs> I said, no, no way. Um, I'm like, you can go, but at the detriment of your business. You can't. Yeah. The only way that's going to work is a lifestyle business, more or less. Right. Like, yeah, yeah that's pretty tough. Yeah. Like, you know, I was listening to Mr. Beast. Um, he records videos for 100 hours a week, 120 hours a week. So yeah. we think that he's just having fun doing whatever. He's yeah. building, he's making videos all the time. 
editing yeah. them and he has a team doing it 100 hours a week so you know we only see the final product we don't see what people are doing and exactly. and it's really the biggest challenge is you have to enjoy the the grind just i don't like to call it the grind you know because you only call it the grind if you're not enjoying it i enjoy it yeah yeah you know? yeah i really yeah. enjoy it so yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I love that you focused on the, and really pointed out that you just can't turn off your brain um, on it or turn off your phone because there's other things that are happening. So there's, there's two sides to that, like I just articulated. So it's the turning off your brain part, which is an interesting aspect. And I think that entrepreneurs are hardwired in a different way than other people are. And so when I'm out, it doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm bumping into, what I'm experiencing, I'm always seeing opportunities. I'm always seeing things that could be improved and so on. And this is something I, I don't think I'm unique. You're nodding your head. So you, you have the exact same experiences and it sounds like as well, right? 100% man, you could be yeah. anywhere. You've almost become kind of like, so one dimensional for a <laughs> while, right? Um, <laughs> it's annoying sometimes, but it's, it's, it's hard. You're not even doing it consciously. It's just happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, it's like anything, there's two ways of looking at it. I think it's a bit of a gift that we have because, um, you know, I talk to other people who are like, you know what, I just love to get out of my job, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know what I could, you know, start in terms of a business and so on. And I'm like, I can't believe that you have no ideas because I have probably one a day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only thing is my limitation is time. Like I don't have enough time to chase after all of these because I, and I think, you know, not all of them are great ideas probably, but there's a bunch of them that I think would be really successful. And in fact, I have multiple instances where I've thought of something and then it's like never acted on it. A year later, all of a sudden I see it in the marketplace and it's Somebody just like, oh my God, it. I had that idea. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's one of the most <laughs> annoying things to see when you see that idea. I saw that idea. Like one, that friend is uh, one of my friends now who I can kind of count on for advice for running a product yeah. business, but I yeah. had an idea in 2005. Again, he implemented, he acted on it. It took him eight years, Lance, to, to build that product. Eight years. Yeah. But you know, it's doing great. It's, awesome. it's a great product in our, in our same market. He persevered. He found the right partners. Again, he also ran into, again, you know, you get lucky. You cannot succeed yep. without getting lucky. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's so anytime somebody says he got lucky, of course he got lucky. You know, how, how else can somebody build like a huge business without getting lucky? But he was looking for luck. You know, he was looking for things and when he saw it, he acted on it. That's the key. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I love the, that, you know, that saying that you, you create your own luck exactly. uh, or the other one, which is you got to be good to be lucky. Um, right. And so, that there is something to be said with both of those in terms of, like you said, the perseverance, uh, him putting in a time and, and, uh, there's so many, so many examples of that. Yeah. You know, you look at, uh, at Jeff Bezos and the early days, I mean, that guy worked his ass off mm -hmm. and yes, things had to fall into place. There was some luck there, but man, if he wasn't working his ass off, he would not have then had the opportunities where things did fall into place, right? Absolutely. You got to be in the right place. Absolutely. One, my, yeah. my favorite saying is I'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah. 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 I, I honestly, <laughs> and, uh, Jeff Bezos, right. So 
somebody once said this and he said that in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, right? You're going to do this much work, like my hands are like this much work. Yeah. You're going to get paid this much. Yeah. If that, then what happens is you get, you oh, like a few years later, the balance between work and compensation becomes equal. You're working this much, you're getting paid this much. But he said that because you've consistently, like the compound interest also applies to your own work, your ability, your knowledge, your growth. And there will come a time where you won't have to do anything and people will pay you millions of dollars. Yeah. And that is true with every one of them. Look at the one speech, yeah. how much they get paid. One article, one post, one social media, one tweet. It's, yeah. it, but they earned it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. yeah. Is the moral of that story for sure. So um, I'm curious if you could send a letter back to your younger entrepreneurial self. So the guy who, you know, went off and decided he was going to become an independent a consultant in 2017 and started to build this business, what would be in that letter? What would you tell yourself? Don't be afraid. Yeah. Just don't be afraid of anything. Like, you know, now, um, and, and that applies to literally everything. I, I don't even mean like, don't be afraid about sending that, you know, quitting your job or starting a business or taking the chance. I mean, like you have a tough customer, you have to call them. Don't be afraid. Call them. You know, yeah. just don't be afraid. Life is too short to be afraid. Hmm. You know, I, I love, I love the example that you gave just there because that happens to me. And I'm sure that's happened to every entrepreneur where there's uncomfortable conversations, whether that's you're having to collect from a client that is, is late or you have to, you know, basically admit to a mistake that you or your team made, or, you know, there's some, challenge that you need to have a conversation and he's always like oh man i can find other things <laughs> to give me excuses you know that i'm too busy to do that right now but it just ends up getting worse so don't be afraid just pick up the phone and do it anything you know what yeah. in fact lance i will tell you i'll give you a and this is this is a letter from my future to even me because fear is like a definite part of our life right without yeah. fear there is no overcoming there is no accomplishment, right? Um, the minute you feel fear, that is an indication that you're thinking about doing something right. Yeah. The minute that comes in, just if you can train yourself to say that, okay, let me look at this. Something is about this is telling me that I should do this. I must do this. So we almost have to embrace fear and like look for the things that will make us more fearful and go for those things. Well, it's definitely growth, I think too, right? Is on the other side of fear. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You overcome one thing, you're a bigger person than you were before. You yeah. overcome another one, you know, just accounting, right? Like what I know about accounting now, because I did it, like I know enough to even talk to, you know, small business owners and helping them set up their books now, even though I've, I had no training, but I had to take care of things in the beginning. Legal. Yeah. I know so many things about legal cases that used to freak me out before, but now I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> this is what you do. Right. Um, talking to customers, approaching them about my business, uh, you know, earlier I would be like, oh, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? And now I'm like, you know, let's figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. 
Well, this has been fascinating. I, just a really great conversation, Rod. I really appreciate your time and, and sharing some of your thoughts and your experiences along the way and just the way that you frame things and look at things, I think is something that is going to inspire a lot of entrepreneurs today that are listening. If somebody wanted to reach out to you or learn more about your company, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way, I'm on LinkedIn all day. Uh, okay. And thank you, Lance. But before I say that, I want to say thank you. I really, this is one of the best conversations I've been on. And I think <laughs> uh, because you own your own business and, you know, I think I related really well uh, with your mindset. So Ooh. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Awesome. Glad to hear. And um, to find me uh, or our company, the best place is LinkedIn. If you just search for Rohit Tyagi, R-O-H-I-T-T-Y-A-G-I. I'm wearing a gray suit. There's a bunch of Rohit Yagis, but find me over there. Our website okay. is S-A-G-A-X-T-E-A-M, sagaxteam.com. Uh, that's another place to find me, but LinkedIn is the best bet. I'm always there. Okay, excellent. The guy in gray from Philadelphia. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Rohit. And for those of you who are listening today and you enjoyed this episode, you can check out our archives where we talk to other entrepreneurs about their journey and some of the lessons they've learned as well over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. And of course, if you just search Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform, you'll find the audio only version there as well. So thanks again, Rohit. I really appreciate it. And to everybody, have a prosperous day.